0: Benzin Gyatso, the 14th Dalai Lama of Tibet, provides this recipe for precious human life. Every day, think as you wake up, today I am fortunate to have woken up. I am alive. I have a precious human life. I am not going to waste it. I am going to use all my energies to develop myself, to expand my heart out to others to achieve enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. I am going to have kind thoughts toward others. I am NOT going to get angry or think badly about others. I am going to benefit others as much as I can. This is Mark Winwood bringing the elegant mind to you here on Valley 104.9 FM radio, community radio, serving the Lower Snoqualmie Valley of Washington State, that includes the communities of Duval and Carnation and Redmond Ridge. Thank you so much for for tuning in. Today we're going to have a discussion centering on what we call precious human life. That would be your life and my life in the lives of all those all those human beings that we are sharing our existence with. Precious human life. So before we do, just a little bit of a little bit of housekeeping, I guess, a little bit of business. The Chenrizig Project is the name of the Buddhist study, Tibetan Buddhist study practice group that I founded back in Florida almost fifteen years ago. We've been here in Washington State now for four years and we we do a lot in in and around the Duval community. We have regular meetings every other Thursday in Duval at Longevity Foods on Highway 203 right across from the subway. We write a weekly newsletter that is distributed online now to more than 600 people, not just in this community, but around the world. We're planning a residential retreat that will take place probably right before Thanksgiving, this November. All that we do is done under the the banner of the Chenrezig Project. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G, Chenrezig, the Tibetan icon of compassion, the Chenrezig Project, and you can learn more about us as well as access some study materials and lots of different things. On our website, which you can get to at www.chenrizigproject.org, that C H E N R E Z I G P R O J E C T, www.chenrizigproject.org. We've got a calendar of events. You can sign up for our newsletter, and there's there's lots of documents to to access, and and some some uh, educational materials. So please um, feel free to partake in what we have to offer. And we do meet once again on the first and third Thursdays of each month at Longevity Foods, downtown Duval at 6 p.m. It's a two-hour meeting from 6 to 8. We do meditation. We share in teachings. We do lots of discussion very collaborative, and this has been going on now here in Duval since, uh, I guess it's since January. So the, uh, the, the, the Sangha, the group of people who come are getting to know one another really well. We're forming a really nice group of people, very interactive, very supportive of one another, friendly. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that's that's taking root here in Duval. So Once again, please feel free to come and join us as you would like. Additionally, business-wise, the music on this program, the introduction music and the outgoing music is a song called Fabiana that was written and performed by Bobby Vega, V-E-G-A, Bobby Vega. Bobby is a Bay Area musician. He is a bass player, electric bass player, he composes he is a uh, he's a famous guy he's world renowned as a musician and his resume the people that he has played with over the years is you might imagine being resident in the San Francisco Bay area and all the music that has come out of there over the past 50 years is is quite extraordinary so bobby has uh, has played with them all. He's played with the members of The Grateful Dead. He's played with the members of the Jefferson Airplane. He played bass for Tower of Power. He played for years with Edda James. He was Edda's bass player before Edda passed away not too long ago. And he's a uh, he's a friend of mine. He's a he's a dear friend of mine and has very, very uh, generously offered for me to use any of his music any music that i would like on this program so we have as intro and outro fabiana and then at some point usually midway or so in each program i select one of his cuts and and play that as well and share that with you so this is uh bobby vega and you can find out lots about him he's all over the internet b-o-b-b-y-v-e-g-a bobby vega It's uh, it's so nice. It's so nice to be able to share his music with this audience, and familiarize you with with this uh, with this talent who is once again so generously, so generously sharing his his beauty, his music with all of us. So okay, that's it. We're done with business. Now it's time to get to the real business at hand, the true business at hand, and that is our elegant mind. Our elegant mind, which uh, I think each of us has moments of elegance that emerge from our mind that we experience. And certainly by the Buddhist teachings, by the Tibetan Buddhist teachings, the Tibetan Buddhist life sciences or mind sciences, the elegance within our mind is, is vast. It's infinite. We have infinite, infinite elegance in our mind, hopefully we uh, become aware of that and we care about that and we work to cultivate, to allow that elegance to, to blossom as it may. So one of the things that I do on a regular basis, I've been doing it now for a year, is I volunteer at the Monroe Correctional Complex. That's the men's penitentiary, the men's prison it's actually a complex of four prisons within the campus in Monroe and I'm there every other Tuesday evening in one of the units and then one Saturday per month I alternate with other Buddhist teachers uh, one Saturday a month at the uh, at the reformatory, the big prison, the big unit within the complex we have really really interesting discussions as you as you might imagine we sit we 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 do meditation there is about 20 between 20 and 25 men who i see every every other tuesday saturday is a somewhat smaller smaller group maybe between 8 8 to 8 to 12 perhaps and part of the reason for that is that saturday is a visiting day so uh, when the visitors, when the guests come to visit the uh, the inmates, they're obviously not going to be in Buddhist class. They're going to be seeing their visitors. So Saturday is a little, little sketchier attendance-wise than Tuesday is, and we have some really remarkable conversations, remarkably deep conversations. One of the things about the the uh, the men that are incarcerated is that there's, you know, there's no funny business. There's no, there's no deception. Everybody, you know, they're they're there. It's real. And the Buddhist ideas, the Buddhist notions are seen by many of the men as being really, really helpful to them in terms of when the time comes that they are released, that they're um, that they're set free, and they're going to go for the most part they're going to go back to their environment they're going to go back to their to the family or to the friends to the neighborhood, to the uh, to the working, whatever work they were doing they're going to go back and there is and we've talked about this just uh, probably with with most, if not all. There is an element. there is a little bit of worry. there's a little bit of concern that even though they are they're incarcerated now and they're on the right path, you know studying, in, in my case, studying Buddhism, studying Dharma, and uh, strengthening, clarifying their mind and, and seeing things from different perspectives and, and, and all that all that wonderful, all that wonderful Dharma stuff there is the, the notion, the idea that they're going back and w- w- how will they react? What will they, w- will they encounter and how will they react? And can, can, that, can that weakness, can that confusion, can, can that whatever it was that was present in their mind that brought about the situations for which they are now in jail, what will happen when those are encountered again? Will they be encountered again? And what will happen when they're encountered again? So lots of what we talk about is really bringing about an elegant mind, bringing about for them strength, bringing about for them perspectives and a persona that they will be able to go to, they'll be able to think about, they'll be able to to realize, they'll be able to step into different perspectives of themselves and different perspectives of how they relate to everything and everything relates to them, to find clarity and to find stability and and to not fall prey to confusion and emotion and so on. So our talks get quite serious and recently we have been talking about our lives this 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 amazingly precious human life that we all have and and recognizing that it is indeed precious and shouldn't be wasted you know when we have when we have something that is precious we we take care of it we 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 protect it we keep it we keep it clean we keep it uh, we don't allow it to, to, to get dirty. We don't allow it to, to fall prey to, to situations that might damage it or dent it or, or break it. When we have something that's precious, we really care for it. And the Tibetan Buddhist teachings, the Tibetan life science, mind science teachings, are very, very, very centered on the idea, on the notion uh, again, not as something that you need to listen to and believe right away, but something to consider, something to listen to and think about and consider and see for yourself, if this is true, the preciousness of our of our human life, the absolute preciousness of our human life. So I'd like to share that. I'd like to share that with you because this is true of all of us, not just the men who are resident at the Monroe correctional complex and not just the the monks and the nuns and not just those who we perceive to be holy or we perceive to be you know more harmonious than we are precious human life relates and pertains to every human life is precious so i'd like to talk a little bit now just about the preciousness of your life the preciousness of my life the preciousness of all human life every moment of human life so the buddhist teachings in summary basically lay out that as a human being we have the greatest potential of all creatures on earth to realize the dharma which is the true nature of reality to experience an ineffable unconditional peace and to discover a way of living that is in harmony with the profound truths of life. This is one of the great one of the great gifts of being a human being and having this, this dual hemispheric brain, this nervous system, a long life generally, hopefully a long life. The ability to speak, to articulate, to communicate, fingers and thumbs and to be able to build things, turn pages. We have the, uh, the human body, the human culture, and the human body provides a remarkable tool, toolkit, toolcase for us. Incredible, incredible abilities in this human life, this precious human life. But human rebirth, according to the Buddha, our human birth is very rare. And there's a classic story about the rarity of human life that is uh, put forth in the Pali Canon, which is the ancient text that recorded his, uh, his teachings. So the Buddha was speaking to a group of monks, it said, and he explained to them that suppose that this planet Earth was completely covered with water and a person were to toss a yoke out into the sea and the yoke would just float on the sea and somewhere down below down below the surface there's a turtle that lives and this turtle is blind blind turtle and once every hundred years the turtle surfaces one time only each hundred years the turtle surfaces and sticks his head up out of the water just once every hundred years the the possibility the probability the chance that this blind sea turtle would coming to the surface once every 100 years would stick his neck into the yoke that possibility that probability is the possibility or the probability that we will once again take on a human a human life our mind once again find a human a human life. So it's It's very rare that one attains the, the human state. So this is just one of the examples that the Buddha gave of how rare the chances are and how precious it is to be born as a human being. And I, so if this is so, and even if this isn't so, I ask myself this question. Am I taking care to live my life in a way that honors this precious human birth? And makes the best use of it and think about it and consider are you you know now that uh, i'm getting older i assume you're getting older as well Uh, that's part of human life is getting older each moment but now that i'm getting older and i'm hearing of of friends with health issues and remembering you know many friends family members and so on who have passed away the question comes to mind in the past years, this, uh, am I making the best use of my life? In the past years, this has stimulated, uh, you know, just a greater resolve, greater, uh, maybe even passion is, is uh, certainly responsibility to, uh, you know, to resolve to, to do the very best I can in my own heart, my own mind so i read you know i read a lot i think a lot meditate i share dharma with with people it's all part of it it's all part of using this precious human life to its uh, to its fullest its its best advantage its best benefit for all beings and there's a little teaching from Dilgo kainzi rinpoche one of i never met rinpoche Dilgo kainzi rinpoche i never met him he passed away in 1980. I'm sorry, 1991. But his teachings are just are wonderful, wonderful teachings. It's Dilgo D I L G O Digo Dilgo D I L G O, Rinpoche. You can find his teachings all over the internet. They're uh, they're really wonderful. So this is what he says: Dilgo Khyenzi Rinpoche. Ask yourself. How many of the billions of the inhabitants of the planet have any idea of how rare it is to have been born as a human being? How many of those who understand the rarity of human birth ever think of even using that chance to practice the Dharma? How many of those who think of practice actually do practice? How many of those who start really continue? How many of those who practice continue and attain ultimate realizations. Indeed, those who attain ultimate realizations compared to those who do not are as few as the stars you can see at daybreak. As long as you fail to recognize the true value of human existence, you'll just fritter your life away in futile activity and distraction. When life comes all too soon to its inevitable end, you will not have achieved anything worthwhile at all. But once you really see the unique opportunity that human life can bring, you will definitely direct all your energy into reaping its true worth. In addition to Rinpoche's words, the following words of the Buddha have also inspired me to continue expanding my heart, my mind in wisdom and compassion and developing the mind to open more deeply to to the wisdom that is truly liberating the buddha said and I quote neither mother nor father nor any relative can do as much good as your own well directed mind and yes there's work to do to develop a well directed mind requires the commitment of repeated intention and steadfast resolve to incline the mind towards what is wholesome and beneficial for oneself and others. It also requires the wisdom of renunciation to relinquish what is unwholesome and unbeneficial. Of course, this requires clarity and an honesty of awareness and an investment in gentle persevering effort. With practice, we develop these invaluable inner qualities and when we do this, we see how mindful awareness of unwholesome habit patterns actually weakens us. We also see how mindful awareness of wholesome patterns of the mind strengthens them. And with these resources, we're, we're inspired, we're on the path. We're inspired to continue our practice even in the face of challenging conditions. And rest assured, those challenging conditions will occur. They will present themselves. By developing determination to continue in spite of seemingly overwhelming obstacles, we strengthen our faith and our ability to navigate the terrain of our lives with greater ease. And in time, in time, we experience how our well-directed mind towards what is beneficial and wise arises naturally and spontaneously. Look, life comes to its inevitable end all too soon. The activities of a lifetime are just like raindrops falling on a pool of water. They make a few ripples, and then they disappear. At the end of our lives, are we going to wonder, did I have the courage to do more than just what came easily? Have I truly taken advantage of this precious human birth to cultivate wisdom and compassion, and to live in a way that is increasingly more free of greed and hatred and delusion? Did I have the courage to use this precious human birth to fully realize the potential of my vast, elegant mind? Once we realize the unique opportunity that being born human offers, we will surely, I believe, and question, ask yourself, I believe that once we realize the unique opportunity that being born human offers, we will surely want to direct all our energy toward fulfilling our highest potential as a human being. This is Mark Winwood. This is The Elegant Mind on Valley 104.9 Community Radio, Community FM Radio, serving Duval, Carnation, and Redmond Ridge, in the beautiful lower Snoqualmie Valley of western Washington State. We're going to listen to some music, some Bobby Vega music, as promised. The name of the song that I'm going to be playing for you is called Down the Road, instrumental, and I hope you enjoy. And then we'll be back to continue our discussion on your life and my life, precious, our precious human lives. Okay, we're back. This is Mark Winwood with The Elegant Mind. Thank you to Bobby Vega for for that musical interlude, that pleasant, happy, joyful musical interlude. We're talking about the preciousness of human life. And, you know, maybe one of the ways to to approach this idea is to uh, just kind of look at the way we look at our lives now perhaps with preciousness and perhaps not. You know, it's we can't immediately just suspend our worldview and, and have a different one. But perhaps if we begin to look at the boundaries of the worldview of our lives that we do have, maybe we can begin to see uh, something taking form. So does it really make sense that your mind, that my mind, that our mind came from nothing or it came from some kind of a cell at a certain moment, the way, the, way uh, the materialists try to say that our mind came to be. Look, you might as well say that mind just came from, from, from a tree or a stone or, or, or a piece of dirt. Instead, from the Tibetan side, from the Tibetan mind science side, we stand up. We stand up. We recognize the preciousness of our awareness. And we say that awareness always comes from awareness. And our awareness is something. It is who we are. And our awareness is, is precious. You know, as a human being, we can experience the most exquisite things. We have, we have a very special type of, of human embodiment. But, of course, our awareness is also vulnerable. And we can suffer because of it. Look at the people who we know today that live on the planet. How many of them are starving, are starving right now, or find themselves in some terrible ecological catastrophe inflicted by the, by the, uh, the exploitation of the planet, climate change, tribal dementia, prejudice, hatred, or disease. Look at the situation that's occurring as, as you listen to this as I speak down at the border between uh, our southern border with the immigrant families, the immigrants seeking shelter, seeking asylum here in this country and their children being ripped away and sent off to who knows where and the parents being incarcerated, held who knows where and who knows for how long, wondering if they'll ever see their children again. How many of us have no thought ever of liberation except maybe liberation from, this, from you know, whatever immediate agony sits, sits in front of us or within us or around us or for our loved ones around us. How many of us are in that state? How many beings live in cultures where they're told just to follow the routine, just to fit in with the spirit, do what the collective wants them to do, what the witch doctor tells them, what the chief tells them, Go out, kill your neighbor. No thought of liberation. Maybe one shaman, one person goes somewhere else, but most of the people just fit in. How many beings, even in a supposedly educated modern society, just work in a factory from dawn to dusk, get a very poor education, have no job, and then commit a crime and go to prison until they die? How many beings are there who are working endlessly in fields, eking out a living, or living as hunters in some vast snowy waste, just thinking about getting the next seal, with no time to reflect at all on the preciousness of their life or potential, possible liberation. In India, before the Buddha's time, in the time of the Vedas, there was no mention of liberation. People wanted power, wealth, duty, pleasure, progeny. Even the ancient songs of the Indian people never talk of liberation. They just did what God wanted them to do, which meant then what the priests and the kings wanted them to do. Even today, look around, even today, many of us in our modern society just live mechanically. Go to school, get our grades, graduate, go out, make money, have a family, pay taxes, do our duty, serve in the military, retire, then live in Florida and die. And that's it. They have nice lawns. They hope their heirs do better than they did. There's no meaning. Ask yourself, consider. I put forth from the Buddhist teachings, the Dharma teachings, that there's no meaning to that sort of lifelong pattern. Finally, because that life ends. And even the different religions tend to annihilate our sense of personal spiritual continuity, inviting us to be whatever it is they invite us to be. So in the mind sciences of Tibet, there is continuity of mind. Our mind has come from a previous vehicle. It is now resident in this vehicle in partnership with my body, and when my body is no longer capable of supporting that partnership, my mind is going to go on to a new partnership. There is a continuity of mind. This is one of the, the foundational aspects of Buddhist practice, of Tibetan Buddhist practice. And this continuity forms the basis for the preciousness of our human existence. The modern world, our world, lives in the deep cosmology of meaninglessness. Consider for yourself, many of the traditional religions have really failed to control this general feeling of meaninglessness. Sure, they do provide some spiritual meaning when they say God wants you to do something, or God is doing this something for a reason, or when they fit you under the inscrutable authority of God's will. But the operative, life-controlling idea is that reality is just material. And being just material, it's meaningless, spiritually meaningless. If you think you're basically meaningless, what do you really care for yourself? You let yourself live your life, just making money, for example, saving it, hoarding it, trying to be a big shot, dying with that, putting your whole life toward investing in something that you will lose. Yet the supercomputer that is your brain is capable of realizing the kingdom of God, if you'd like, within you, capable of realizing the great bliss, the great bliss state within you, according to the Buddha and all the awakened and enlightened teachers, including Jesus. But instead of turning your attention to that kind of total fulfillment of all your wishes, Developing the ability to fulfill the wishes of others for an infinite future of enlightened living, instead of that, many of us just waste our lives on some ephemeral thing that will never, ever really truly satisfy us and will just leave us or we will just leave it at our death. Who is satisfied with wealth when they accumulate it? No one, no one, ever. They have a hundred billion, they want two hundred billion. They have power, they want more power. They have influence, they want more influence. From the Buddhist side, once we understand, once we know we have a meaningful view of life and can see its continuity and its endlessness, we also come to the preciousness of our human life which is endowed with liberty and opportunity. We cancel those views of meaninglessness. We just suspend them. We're critical of the worldview view that says, this is the law of nature, this is the law of reality, that's where you fit in, that's all you can do. We don't accept that. We don't accept it. If we have an instinct or an intuition that we have something in us that can flower, something that we can, that can, we, we can really fulfill, that we could achieve a kind of bliss that would be deep and, and wholesome from within, and that would be a reservoir of joy for others as well as ourselves, we let that come out we realize this lifetime is the time that we can do that this is the viewpoint of the precious our precious human life not meaningless precious fertile pregnant with possibility vastness beauty and wonder When we reflect on the preciousness of our human life, endowed with liberty and opportunity, we find a whole new level of appreciation of ourselves. At this very point, some start on the Buddhist path, on the path to enlightenment, the Tibetan path, with the realization that our life is precious. All the enlightened discourses describe how precious we are That you, a human being, are precious because you can become awakened. You can become enlightened. Reflect on this. Think about yourself and how you spend your life. How much do you do that is valuable for you? Consider if you could combine some generous gesture toward others with what you're doing that is valuable just for you or some service that you might be able to provide however you interact with others, then you're doing something for yourself and for them in the process of making your livelihood whatever it is that you're doing. And that's really wonderful. The teachings tell us, show us, lead us to see for ourselves that each of us potentially is an infinite being. Each of us has been an infinite being. Each of us has infinite past experience, evolutionarily speaking. Each of us, each of us can become perfectly enlightened beings. The summit, the peak of evolution, that form of life at the end of all possible culmination of evolution that is perfect compassion, meaning the perfect ability to feel others' feelings and perfect wisdom, to help them feel better. Knowledge of ourself and others' reality so that we can help them feel better. This is what we can become. This is full awakening. This is full awakening. Once we begin to cultivate a deeper sense of self-appreciation, we cherish ourselves, take care of ourselves every moment, we expand our understanding, expand our intelligence, and use the moments of our precious human life for its maximum meaningfulness then we are living the precious human life. We are realizing the precious human life. We are realizing, we are awakening, we are accessing, we are allowing to blossom the elegant mind. Once again, this is Mark Winwood bringing you The Elegant Mind, Valley 104.9, Community FM Radio, serving Duval, Carnation, and Redmond Ridge in the lower Snoqualmie Valley we're talking today about the preciousness of human life. If these ideas resonate with you, consider that it's important to recognize on an ongoing basis the great opportunities that this life presents us with. You know, So very often we're preoccupied with those things that aren't going quite so well in our lives and we become oblivious to all the good conditions that we have. Human nature, I guess. When we, when we think about, when we contemplate precious human life, we're not just talking about any human life, but we're talking about one in which we have the possibility and the awareness to practice the Dharma, gain spiritual realizations. In so doing, it's important to appreciate all the factors that go into making this life so very precious, and, and then to use it wisely. So what are, these, what are these factors that we appreciate that help make this human life that we're each living so very precious? Well, first of all, we reflect that we're free from unfortunate states. In other words, we don't find ourselves in states of extreme suffering with great pain and hunger and thirst. And then we're also, I assume, we're also free from having been born with too much luxury because too much luxury distracts us from the path in much the same way that too much pain distracts us. So just for a moment, you're listening to this broadcast, wherever you are, this podcast, this broadcast, wherever you are, just for a moment to appreciate the fact that you have the right balance of comfort and suffering enough comfort so that you're secure to practice the path, and enough suffering to motivate you to practice so that you can be free of it. In other words, really, really appreciate the fact that you have a human body and human intelligence to use for and in your practice. And not only do you have a human body and human intelligence, But all your your sense and mental faculties are healthy and complete. You can see and hear and touch and think properly. This is an incredible thing to be thankful for. We take it for granted. We so take it for granted. Even as I sit here broadcasting this, my, my voice, my vocabulary, all this technology that I can I can take advantage of to communicate these ideas with you we just take them for granted we don't even think in appreciation about them or for them we just take them for granted additionally we live in a place where we have access to these teachings these teachings that came from the Buddha Shakyamuni Buddha you know he appeared 2500 years ago and he taught those teachings have been passed down to us in a very pure lineage from master to disciple for centuries right down to our own teachers and then to us so here we are we live in a place where we have access to these teachings we have access to the teachers who can help us this is a very great benefit a great boon in our life something to cherish very much in addition You probably haven't committed any seriously heavy negative karmas which would obscure your mind, make it very difficult to practice. These are actions such as killing, killing our parents, killing the bodhisattva. We haven't committed, I assume we haven't committed these very heavy negative actions. So we're free, we're free from those obstacles in our mind. We're free from those obscurations, those contaminants in our mind. This is something to also to appreciate. In addition, if you're listening to this program, you have perhaps an inclination for spiritual practice. You know, there are so many people who aren't so very interested, but by some good fortune, we, you and I, have that inclination. We have some faith. We have some curiosity. We have some feeling that there's got to be more to life than just accumulating things and having a good time. So that spiritual side of us is something very precious. We should really respect that in ourselves and appreciate it. We also have supportive friends around us. Hopefully you do. I know I'm very fortunate to to have some wonderful supportive Dharma friends around People who support me in my practice and hopefully support you in whatever practice you engage and who set a good example. And at times we may even have access to a a sangha community, to monks or nuns or venerable teachers, those who come and provide much inspiration for your practice. So appreciate the support that you have from other people that enables you to practice. This is something that is really so very special. You also, we also have the material conditions for practice. We have food, we have clothes, we have shelter and medicine if we need it. Our health is okay. It's okay enough that we can practice. So these conditions are very important. And while many people don't have them at this moment, you do. We do so precious, something to be so appreciative of. You also have access to qualified teachers who can guide you along the path, and this is really quite important. These are the people who lead us to realizations. These teachers are available through books, recorded lectures, and the Internet. The Dalai Lama comes to mind, His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama of Tibet, Tenzin Gayatso, who has authored or co-authored almost 200 books. His lectures, his teachings are are endlessly available online through technology, on the internet, or tapes, videos. We take this for granted. It's just out there. It's more of the you know our culture it's it's just more of the more of the communications that we have access to but oh my gosh it is so very so very precious it's so important to take advantage of these teachers this is why they teach they don't teach for themselves they teach they teach for you they teach for us i can tell you i have been in places i have been in areas where these teachings are not available, and the people who live there are so thirsty for them, but they're not available. They don't have access to them. But you do. We do. I do. I try to share these teachings. As I mentioned earlier, we meet regularly in Duval. There's this uh, radio podcast program. There's writings. I try to share these these teachings with you. Again, not for me, not for my benefit, although I do greatly benefit by being the one who shares these teachings and you know, I process them, I digest them, and I try to articulate them to you. So certainly there's some benefit to myself as well, but that's not the reason for sharing these teachings. And you know, I assume if you're listening to this that you live in a country where you have religious freedom where you don't have to fear for your life because you have a spiritual interest so your religious freedom is also something to cherish this is not to be taken for granted there are many people around the world who are in jail or soon to die because of their spiritual beliefs how precious how fortunate you are how fortunate we are so think about this Take this to heart. Think about this. If you reflect deeply, you realize that if even one of these conditions that I've just mentioned is missing, it could become extremely difficult to practice. Without just one of these conditions, it's very hard to make use of the others that you do have. But in this lifetime, this precious human lifetime, at this moment, We have so many conditions. We have so many things that make it possible for us to practice. And it is so very difficult to come by all these proper conditions. So many people don't have them. Many, many, many more don't have them than do. When we think about it deeply, we begin to have a very deep sense of joy and happiness and wonder, or even astonishment. And how could we have been so lucky to have all these good conditions to be able to practice to be able to walk the path to full awakening to be able to walk the path to the elegance of our of our mind so i suggest think about these conditions deeply let yourself feel like a beggar who has just found a jewel let yourself feel incredibly fortunate and together with that have a determination to take advantage of all these wonderful conditions that you presently have this is a fundamental thought on the path of awakening once we begin to cultivate a deeper sense of appreciation once we begin to cherish the opportunities that we have and take care of ourselves each and every moment. We expand our understanding. We expand our intelligence. We allow our compassion to arise and intensify. And then we use our time, this, this time that we're in, this human form, this human lifetime, to its maximum meaningfulness, this exquisite human embodiment. So I'd like to revisit the words of the Dalai Lama that I began this program with. It is a beautiful, motivational, intentional recipe for living the precious human life. Once again, the Dalai Lama. Every day, think as you wake up. Today, I am fortunate to have woken up. I am alive. I have a precious human life. I am not going to waste it. I am going to use all my energies to develop myself, to expand my heart out to others, to achieve enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. I am going to have kind thoughts toward others. I am not going to get angry. I am not going to think badly about others. I am going to benefit others as much as I can. So this is The Elegant Mind, Mark Winwood bringing you this. I think this is our 10th broadcast, the 10th episode of The Elegant Mind. And I'm starting to fall into a, uh, into a routine, into a cadence. I'm not quite sure what we'll be talking about next week, but I will tell you that the weekend of July 7th and 8th, the weekend after next, is the birthday weekend of the dalai lama his birthday is july 6th he was born in 1935 so that weekend broadcast is going to focus on the life the history the biography the preciousness of the life of his holiness the 14th dalai lama of tibet tenzin Gyatso. i really look forward As I sit here now, I look forward to doing that program and sharing it with you and sharing him with you. So, again, Mark Winwood, The Elegant Mind, broadcast on Valley 104.9 FM Community Radio, streamed on the Internet at www.valley1049.org and available as podcast as well. If you have any questions or comments that you'd like to share with me, anything you would like me to speak about on future broadcasts, please send me an email at theelegantmindvalley at valley1049.org. That's theelegantmindvalley at valley1049.org. Those emails will be directed to me and I will answer them, get back to you as quickly and as completely as i can so again thank you and i'm going to send you out with the gentle music of bobby vega and i look forward to spending time once again with you here on the elegant mind next week take good care bye-bye